Welcome. Thanks for joining us again today, wherever you've tuned in from. We're so glad that you're with us. I want to dig into a thought, a subject today that's simply called, how do we remove deficit from our lives? Now, especially I want to speak about removing a deficit from our lives regarding when we have a promise of God or we know that God has promised us something, yet we've not yet experienced. That gap between knowing he's promised us something, yet not yet experiencing it. Firstly, let's look at what deficit is. According to the dictionary, a deficit is the opposite to surplus. It's synonymous with having a shortfall or less than what we need or less than what we expected. It also says in the dictionary that it's the amount by which something does not match or meet enough or expectation. Let's have some examples of what a deficit is in other areas of our life. Maybe we could consider money and budgets and maybe we have a budget for a thousand pounds, yet what we have coming in is 800. That gap between 800 and 1,000, we would know that as a deficit in our budget. Or maybe in our health, that we have a certain need for a level of health in our life for swimming, for, for running on, on the track or for competing in sport, yet we don't have in ourselves enough energy or strength to complete the task or the challenge ahead of us. Again, that would be something that we call a deficit. Another example would be for maybe a sporting group, a team, a football team, a rugby team, that suddenly they need to score 10 points, yet they only score seven. And that leaves them with something, again, that we would call a deficit. They needed 10, but they only achieved seven. There was a deficit of three. Okay, let's bring this thought now into the spiritual side of our lives. Can we experience, do we experience sometimes a deficit or a gap between what we know is available or what's been promised and that which we are currently experiencing or in possession of? You know, when I think of that word deficit, to me, very simply put, it's the gap between what something should be or needs to be and what it actually is. That could be relative to finances. That could be relative to our health. That could be relative to a number of different things in our everyday lives. But also sometimes I think that we can all experience at one time or another a spiritual deficit that God doesn't want us to experience, but we need to do certain things to remove that deficit. Now, when we speak about having deficit in our spiritual or the spiritual dimension or section of our lives, I know that sometimes, to be honest with you, that's been my experience. And I'm sure for most of you, it's been your experience at one point or another in your life. Now, again, what's a spiritual deficit? To me, it's when you read something in the Bible and you read something that God has promised you. He said, this is how your life should look. This is what you should be experiencing. But then when you look at your life or that section of your life, you have to be honest and say, Lord, I know that you've promised me 
that my experience in this section of my life will be this, a seven, but actually what it is, it's only a five. Lord, why is there a deficit between what you've promised I can experience, what you've told me in your word should be what I know to be true in my life and what I'm actually dealing with. Now, let me give you an example of this. There's many passages in the scripture that reveal to us the life that God wants us to live, a kingdom life, a life that's different to the lives of those that don't know Jesus or follow after God and his ways. One good example for me would be 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 to 11. These are some of my favorite scriptures when it comes to what God reveals his provision or his sufficiency is to be in my life. So you read through these verses in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 to 11, and it says big statements like this, that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, not some things or odd things, but in all things at all times, I have all or everything that I need and my life is abounding. And then you read on and it says that God says that my life is to be enriched by him in every way so that I am able to be generous not on some occasions, but on every occasion. I love these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 to 11, that in all things at all times, I have all that I need to do what God has called me to do. And my life, like it says in maybe Proverbs 3, verse 10, my life is to be a barn that's filled, but the vat of my life is to overflow with the abundant surplus of all that God is bringing in to my life, not just for me, but for others that benefit through my life. So I read these verses and the will of God is very clear in these verses, all things, all times, all I need, abounding, all sufficiency. But then I look at my life and I have to be honest. I look at my life and I say, well, Lord, sometimes it doesn't feel like I have all that I need for all things at all times. Lord, sometimes it doesn't feel that my life is a barn that's filled to overflowing or a vat that's running over. Lord, sometimes it doesn't feel or look to me like I have the ability to be generous in a way that I consider generosity to look like on every occasion and in every moment. So what am I dealing with here? The same as what you deal with when you find yourself in moments like this. You're facing something of a spiritual deficit. You're reading what God says is available and is his will for the life that you're living. Yet when you look at your life in the mirror or up close and you're honest, you really have to come before the Lord and say, Lord, there's a deficit. There's a difference between what you say I should know, the things you say I should see, 
and the things that I am actually knowing and actually seeing. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible gives us great and precious promises, and those promises are meant to be our continued experience. God never teases us. He's never cruel. When he says that we can know something, that thing is there to be known. I honestly believe that. But when I look at my life and I'm faced with certain deficits, maybe other verses that speak about other parts of my life and how they should be. But when I look at my life in that moment, my family in that moment, I have to be honest because God wants me to be honest and I have to pray honestly, Lord, there's a deficit. There's a deficit, but I don't want to live in a deficit. I want to live in the good of what you've said I can know. So, okay, let's open this up a little bit further. When I find a deficit in my life between what God has promised me and said I can know and the things I'm currently knowing, I have to firstly establish that the problem is not God. Because God is always true. God cannot lie. There's not the ability to lie within him. God is truth. So if there's a deficit in my life, in something I'm experiencing, the problem can't be with God because number one, he's always true. And number two, he's always faithful to his word. So the issue or the cause of any deficit in my life is not on his part. So it must be on my part or something else that's happening in that moment. Now, thinking this way gives me the security that God wants me to know, that God is everything he says he is, he does everything he says he will do. And when I find a moment of apparent deficit, I'm not to blame him, to shake my fist at him, to accuse him of not being true to his word. Rather, I'm to look at me. Am I doing the things he told me to do? Because often when you read a promise in the Bible, just before the promise, you find something that he asks you to do. Now, if we don't do the things he asks us to do, then that's going to affect the experience of the promise he said we would have or the things that we said he said we would know if we did the things he told us to do. Now, I'm sure, like me, you're keen to find any cause for any deficit in your life. And sometimes that's easier said than done. Sometimes you look at something in your life, a situation in your life, and you say, that's not what the Bible promised I should know in that area of my life. So you begin to, number one, take off of a list that there's a problem with God. You begin to focus on your life or situations that may be affecting that thing that you're going through. You know, sometimes when I gave my old car to the mechanic, to the man that used to take care of it. 
I would want him sometimes to say to me, Andy, I found a problem with your car. It's this or it's this. Let me sort that out for you. But sometimes, because my car was very old, he didn't know what was causing the problem. And sometimes he would say to me, you know what, it could be one, two or three things. Leave your car with me so that I can find out what's actually causing the fault in your car and get it fixed for you. Sometimes when we're looking at deficits in our lives, moments in our lives where they don't match what God says we should be experiencing, sometimes it's not one thing or it's not a matter or issue of one thing. Sometimes there can be different things that are causing that deficit in the experience of our life. I've grabbed three to give you an example. Number one, sometimes when there's a deficit in our life between what God's promised that we can know and what we're experiencing, it can be a matter of faith and unbelief. Sometimes people don't experience all that God has promised that they can experience because they're walking in unbelief towards what God has promised and not faith. Now, the Bible clearly says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. In our approach to God, we must believe that he is and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. <clears throat> Many examples of this in the Bible. Think of that moment in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, where Jesus says to the fishermen at the end of the day, they're tired, they've been fishing all day, and um, they've caught nothing, they're disappointed, this is their livelihood, and they've spent a whole night fishing, nothing, nothing, nothing in their nets at all. Suddenly they meet Jesus on the beach and Jesus says to them, cast out again from the shore, put your net on the other side. Now they could have responded, Jesus, we've heard about you. You're a carpenter. We're fishermen. You stick to making chairs and tables. We stick to, uh, to catching fish. But they didn't. They said, this doesn't make sense to us, Jesus. But because you told us to do it, we will do it. And they took their nets and they laid them the other side of the boat and the fish filled the nets. And that which Jesus promised became the experience of their life. But what if they would have said to Jesus, we're not doing it. We're tired. We're fishermen. You're a carpenter. Thanks for your advice. But we're going home now then they wouldn't have experienced what Jesus had promised that they could. They would have experienced a deficit between what Jesus said was possible and what their boat experienced. But the good news is these men operated in faith. They acted on the word of God, even if it didn't make sense. And because they did, they caught the catch of fish that he promised and there was no deficit. So sometimes it can be a matter of faith versus unbelief. Are we, are we believing that God will do what he said he will do, even if we don't understand how 
he's going to do it. I want to challenge you. If this is a matter for you of faith or unbelief, choose to believe. Even if you don't know how, you don't know when, choose to say, your word, Lord, says this. I will not lean on my reasoning, but rather I will trust you in what you've promised. I'm going to respond to you in faith and not in unbelief. A second reason that there could be a deficit in our lives regarding what God has promised us and what we're experiencing currently, it could be a matter of obedience versus disobedience. Similar to faith, yet slightly different. Are we doing the things that God told us to do to experience the things he said we can experience? You know, the Bible is filled, like I said, with great promises and things that the Lord says are his will for our lives and they affect our finances, our health, our families, our well-being. But often before the promise comes something that the Lord asks us to do. Everybody wants the overflowing open heavens of the Lord. But we understand when it comes to tithing that the Lord says, first, you honor him with the first fruits of your increase. So it would be easy to say, God, the the heavens are shut. You're not providing for me like you said you would. But God would be within his rights to say, Are you honoring me with the 10% of all your increase? Are you bringing the tithe to the storehouse? Because I actually said, when you do that, I will respond with open heavens and fill your lap with more than what you would need. You see, we've got to walk not just in faith, but obedience to the things that God asks of us. You see, when I think of disobedience, I think of Jonah. Jonah ended up in a place that he wasn't meant to be in, experiencing things he shouldn't have experienced. He found himself in the belly of a well, being vomited on a beach. None of that was the will of God for his life. The reason he experienced those moments that were confusing, um, terrible moments, was that he deliberately went in the different direction to what God had told him to go in. And because he walked the path of disobedience, that caused a deficit in what he experienced concerning what God had said he would. It's a good lesson. It's a good challenge for us, isn't it? Maybe the problem with the deficit in our life isn't because of faith or unbelief. Maybe it's because we're not doing something the Lord asked us to do. When he said, don't call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say. Rather, call me Lord, and then walk in my ways. But there's a third element, I believe, to what can cause a deficit in our experience of what God has promised us that we can know. And that's simply the one of time and process. For this, I use the example of Joseph. Joseph had a deficit in his life for a number of years, didn't he? But he wasn't unbelieving. He wasn't disobedient. 
Rather, he was on a journey or in the process of what God was saying would be his experience in life. We read about the young man, Joseph, and we read about God giving him a dream, God giving him a promise. Joseph, this is what your life will look like. Joseph, this is what your life will be. You will be a prime minister, saving many people in a time of famine. Yet then when we open the Bible, we see this man, Joseph, in a pit sold by his brothers. His father had been told that he was dead and had the supporting evidence of uh, a, a coat of many colours with blood on it that wasn't of the blood of Joseph. Suddenly Joseph's in a prison. Suddenly Joseph is falsely accused. Suddenly Joseph is in a moment where he could say, God, there's a huge deficit right now between the promise and the dream that you gave me and the life that I'm currently experiencing. Again, it wasn't a matter of unbelief. We can check that off. It wasn't a matter of disobedience in the life of Joseph. We can check that off. That's not what's not making the car run. But it was simply that he was in a moment of time and process. The word and the dream that God had promised him was true. The dream and the promise that God had given him was not a lie. It wasn't an exaggeration. It was something that would come to pass. But there had to be time and a process of things that took place first. I've experienced this in my life often, where I know that God's promised me something. I've read a passage in the scripture and I said, God, that is your word for that side of my life or that situation in my life. Lord, I know that that's your will for my life. Yet I didn't experience it in that moment. Or I didn't experience it the next week, sometimes not even the next year or more. Yet I knew deep within me what God had promised. I searched my heart. Was I in unbelief? No. Was I walking disobedient to something that God had asked of me and I hadn't done? No, I don't believe I had. Ah, then it must be this third thing. That God is currently working behind the scenes for my good in this moment, turning hearts and turning other things around so that one day, like Joseph, I will not wake up in a prison, but in a palace. I will not be a prisoner, but a prime minister. But you see, there's not much that we can do in these moments except trust God, Romans 8 verse 28, that we know that God is working for good in all things for our good. And all we're called to do is love him and know that we're called according to his purposes. So I hope that encourages your heart today. Maybe there's a passage in the Bible, a promise in the Bible that you know that the Lord has given you, but you're not currently experiencing it in your life or in your family or in your finances. And you could look at me today and say, yes, Andy, I'm in a moment of deficit. There's a gap between what I know God's promised me and what I'm currently experiencing, finances, health, other situations, 
I want to say to you, take a moment to check. Is this a matter of faith? Are you trusting God in that section or in that moment for that thing? Number two, is it a moment of obedience or disobedience? Is there something that you're not doing that the Lord said you should? And believe me, if that's the case, the Holy Spirit will always come and make us aware. You see, the plan of God is not for us to live in condemnation. It says in John 3, 17, that we were already condemned and through salvation, he brought us out of condemnation. Yet the Holy Spirit really does come and convict us sometimes of things like unbelief or disobedience in our life. Never in a cruel way, but he comes and takes us by the hand and leads us in to what God wants us to know. I'm sharing that just simply to say, just let the Holy Spirit search your heart. And if there is anything to do with unbelief or disobedience, the Holy Spirit will show you and then show you how to turn that moment around. But what if it's not unbelief or disappointment? then it's probably because you're in time and process. You're not yet experiencing what God has promised you because God is busy getting those things ready for you. Or maybe God is busy, like Joseph, getting you ready for the things that he's promised. In those moments, we just choose to trust him, not to worry not to let fear or anxiety into our hearts or our lives, but rather simply to say, God, I don't quite understand what's happening in this moment, in this time, or the process I'm obviously in the midst of, or the journey I must be on towards that which you've promised me. But Lord, I just purpose that I'm going to walk with faith, obedience in my heart, declaring that there's not one thing that you won't do for me that you said that you would. You see, God really is working behind the scenes for you today. Like Joseph, the moment he was in the pit and in the prison, God was working behind the scenes on the moment that he was going to bring Joseph into. And then suddenly, that moment appears and Joseph wakes up in possession of all that he'd been promised in that dream he had as a young man. So today, take heart. If there's a deficit in what you're experiencing in God, don't settle back and just say, well, that's how it is then, isn't it? No. Number one, Search for unbelief in your heart. Get that out. Search for disobedience. Let the Holy Spirit show you if there's anything in your life where you've not walked in obedience like Jonah. But then understand that like Joseph, you were probably halfway through a testimony. So don't you go and blow it by saying something or doing something stupid. Rather trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And as he promised he would, he will direct your paths. God bless.